Ephesians 5, 1 through 21. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who display it disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. new family among us. Todd gave the welcome this morning, and I thought he did a good job. And for our guests who have not met them yet, that was Todd's wife, Jenny, who did the reading. She is obviously from California, and she talks a little bit faster than the rest of us. So you have to listen fast, okay? But it is great. And Adam was one of those up here helping with the offering. Isn't that great? that they are already so, yes, you can clap, it's okay. It's, it is a blessing from the Lord to have them with us. We are continuing in our study of the book of Ephesians, New Life in Christ. What is it like to go from death to life and to have new life in Jesus Christ? I've tried to make the preaching of, of this series as practical as the book is. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians have to do with how and why we have th this new life from Christ. And then in chapters three, four, five, and six, what do you do about it? How do you live the new life in Christ? You know, I was thinking about the passages uh, that the verses that we're uh, going to study this morning and that Jenny just read to us. And I thought about, and th there's one particular word in the passage that occurs throughout the chapter 5 and a part of verse 6, or chapter 6. But it reminded me that when we went to Kenya, 
There is a special name for a white person in Kenya. Somebody said, yeah, it's a foreigner. Uh, no, no, no. There's a, there is a name in Swahili for a white person. It's Mzum. That's one of those double consonant words, Mzungu. And you learn it very quickly because you go out in the streets, you go into the slums, and all the little children come running out of Mzungu, how are you? Mzungu, how are you? And some of them say, Mzungu, how are you? Fine. <laughs> Mzungu, how are you? Fine. <laughs> then we went to language class, and we learned that Mzungu means a person who runs in circles. Isn't that cool? So it tells you what they think of white people. White people run in circles. And then I realized, yeah, we do. I mean, what did you do yesterday, Tim? What are you going to do tomorrow? And the next day? And the next day? Joe, we have our own schedule. And, and we have a cycle of life that we repeat just about every day. Dennis has to choose which store he's going to, the Sherwood store, the Maumelle store, but he goes to one of them every day. I bet you go the same route. And you drive the same route to get here. We run in circles. Well, that's biblical. Because in Ephesians chapters 4 and 5, when it talks about walk, walk in life, walk in wisdom, walk in, that word walk is a Greek word, peripateo. Peri is a circle and theft. We run in circles. It's not a bad thing. Corey, that's just the term that describes our lifestyle. It talks about the translators chose to use the term walk, but the, the concept is what you do every day. Every step you take, it is your manner of life. It is your lifestyle. And what he says in Ephesians is that we need to walk a fragrant lifestyle. Now, in the beginning, he says, be imitators of God. That imitation of God and of Jesus Christ should define our lifestyle. And it speaks specifically of Christ and his love and his sacrifice for us. I can't even turn to the left with this one. Wow. His sacrifice for us, which the, the verses say are pleasing a fragrance to God. Now, if we imitate Christ and his love, we will live a fragrant lifestyle. Now, I need to say this before I get any further into the message, because otherwise it, my sermon today is going to sound like I need you to reform your life and to be better. And that's not the point at all. 
because the very first verses of chapter 5, basically they say, they talk about the sacrifice of Christ, which was fragrant in the nostrils of God. Understand that it is his sacrifice that is the basis of our new life. We have new life in Christ only because he died for our sins and we have received him as Savior. I, that's not a disclaimer, by the way, at the beginning of my sermon. That's the gospel of salvation. You will never make it to heaven unless you understand that Christ loved you. I don't mean you all. Well, yeah, I do. But my point is, Larry, God loved you. He loved Larry Bell. And he died for Larry Bell. I can say that to every one of you. Oddly enough, I know most of your names. I, I haven't totally lost my memory yet. And I can say to every single one of you, Melly, God loved you. Christ died for you. And your new life is based upon that sacrifice, but that sacrifice was an odor of a sweet smell in the nostrils of God. Susan, that's very different than what I preached last Sunday. You remember that, that I talked about John Coffey in the movie The Green Mile and how he said that the wickedness, the evil, the, the, the bad talking, the hatred that was in the world. He said, it's like glass in, in my face. It hurts, boss. It hurts every day. What I'm talking about this week, Don, is not that pain, but the fragrant lifestyle that we can live before God that is not only pleasant to us and the people around us, but pleases God. Are you living a lifestyle that is fragrant to God? What is a fragrant lifestyle? Well, first of all, it's a lifestyle of love. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, understand, again, I'm starting out presuming that you trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, that you have become a child of God. Shelley, we went to Show Me the Father movie yesterday. Powerful. Uh, by the way, I recommend it. It's not exactly a movie so much as it is a documentary, but it is a powerful film. And he talked about the power of realizing that we've been adopted by God as his children. And walk in love. That's that peripateo right there. Have a lifestyle of love just like Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He had a fragrant lifestyle because it was a lifestyle of love. And believe me, we have... We are fragrant to God when we demonstrate His love for others. Now, notice I highlighted the word demonstrate. 
You have to show your love. Love, the words are cheap. Now, my wife likes me saying, I love you. She likes the words, and I say them often. I say that to many of you. I love you, and I do. I love my church. But you wouldn't believe it, Todd, if I didn't act like it. It's cheap to say it. It's more difficult to live it. Alice, we're talking about a total lifestyle, not just one act, but continual acts. Chris, we're talking about your entire lifestyle is characterized by being loving, loving God and loving others. A lifestyle of love. Not only a lifestyle of love, but a lifestyle of purity. He says, let there be no sexual immorality or impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Uh, no sexual immorality. You cannot turn on the television. You can't go to a film. You can't pick up a magazine or you can't pick up a book without this world promoting sexual immorality. But God still says it's wrong. The fact that it is politically correct, the fact that it is publicly acceptable does not make it right. Understand, I know I've got children here. I'll try to be careful. But God created sex. He created it to be enjoyable. And it is within the bounds of marriage. You take it outside of the bounds of marriage and all of a sudden something that God intended to be a beautiful union turns into something dirty and ugly and impure. That's never changed. We live in a world where homosexuality is promoted. Transsexualism is promoted. Hollywood has an agenda and they're trying to convert you. I worry about my millennials because they are being taught every day in school that it's acceptable and there's nothing wrong with it. The Bible has not changed and neither has God and neither should we. Let there be no sexual immorality or impurity among you. He mentions greed. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. Uh, we, we preach about homosexuality. We preach about impurity of sins. But the greed that some of us struggle with is just as much wrong, just as sinful as the sexual immorality that I just preached about. Guard your heart. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Remember, friend, God knows everything you say. 
He said, coarse joking, dirty jokes, coarse joking, bad language is not, it stinks in the nostrils of God. Remember, God knows everything you say. He hears what you whisper in the darkest closets to others. And he reads what you post on social media. Somebody said, you said that last week. Well, I'm saying it again because you didn't change. I've got near 3,000 friends on Facebook and I shudder at what some of them put on their posts on Facebook. Aaron said, you ought to talk about TikTok or, or Instagram or some of those that the kids are more involved in. I opened a TikTok account and I kept it less than 24 hours. Somehow they targeted me for some of the awfulest pictures I've ever seen. I didn't know. And I got rid of it. Listen, God's looking over your shoulder when you're on the computer. And you need to realize that. Every time you open a book or magazine, God is reading along with you. And he knows your heart. You need to have a fragrant lifestyle. A pure lifestyle is a fragrant lifestyle to God. Then a lifestyle of gratitude. Chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, then, then in verse 20. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Instead of the ugliness, have thankfulness to God. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a picture, and also in the book of Revelation, there's a picture of the prayers of God's people being an incense that drifts to heaven into the nostrils of God. Your thankfulness is important. Thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Verse 20, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I need you to understand that gratitude is the, one of the most life-changing attitudes in the world. When I'm talking with people who are addicted, ad listen, addiction is idolatry. And you know who the idol is? It's, it's not the drugs, it's not the alcohol, it's not the pornography, it's not the food, it's not the chocolate, The ladies always laugh when I talk about the, the addiction to chocolate. There's also addiction to shopping. But, <clears throat> preacher, go on, you're meddling now. Who's the idol in all of that? You are. The addict himself or herself cares more about their own desires than they do about God. You become an idolater. And I counsel those who are addicted. Start being thankful to God. The reason you're addicted is you're not thankful for what you have and for what God's done for you. 
suddenly become a person of gratitude and your life will change. Give thanks. Gratitude will change your life. The opposite of gratitude is selfishness and greed. The opposite of gratitude is selfishness and greed. And the opposite of selfishness and greed is gratitude. Live a lifestyle of gratitude. I was thinking uh, this morning, I think we had on um, the message on Sirius XM, listening to it this morning while we were getting ready to come to church, and there was a song that came on, My Father is Always at Work. My Father, God, my Heavenly Father, is always at work. And I have learned in every situation, Basil, to look and see what it is God's doing. In every, how, how do you be grateful for everything? Because in every situation, no matter what it is, God is doing something. Ginger, he's always at work. Therefore, no matter what's going on, he's doing something. Look for what God's doing and be grateful. Gratitude, the power of gratitude and your gratitude is fragrant to God. Also a lifestyle of light. Therefore, do not become partners with them, those of who are in darkness. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. Now, uh, one day Walter corrected my, one of my slides because I left out the end. So Walter, here's another one. He's, he's, not, he's refusing to look at me. Um, you, it doesn't say you were in darkness. It says you were darkness. Do you see that? And now you are not just in the light. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing what is fragrant in the lot in the nostrils of God? What's pleasing to God? Pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak. Notice that. Shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, wake up, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I've already talked about whether you're saved or not. And I need you to understand, if you've never trusted Jesus, you are darkness. But if you will trust him, he will shine the light of eternal life and salvation on you. The light will come on in you if you will turn to Christ. Now those verses, um, I often, Rodney, I don't mean to, but I preach a sermon within a sermon. And Todd, you can take this sermon and you, they, you just can't do it here because I'm doing it here now. You know. But there are seven things in that one point of walking in light Notice, first of all, it talks about illumination. In fact, one translation 
Um, I usually look around when I talk about other translations for, well, don't see her. Anyway, uh, illumination. Uh, that mean, that's not darkness. Light, not dark. By the way, what is darkness? Carter, come on. What's darkness? It's the absence of light. Exactly. It's the absence of light. You need illumination, not lack of illumination. Notice in those verses that it's Jesus who will shine on you. It is, you are light in Jesus Christ. It's not your light, it's His light. You're just a reflector. Moon sure has been bright over the last few nights. Notice that. Brenda will call me. I'm already in my pajamas, and she says, Come out here and look at the moon. Okay. It's dark out there, but then you get outside and it's not so dark because the moon is so bright. But the, the, the moon has no light for itself. It's a reflection of the sun's light. Uh, Catherine, I just enjoy watching you when I'm preaching. She trans, she's like my wife. Brenda can never play poker. She does not have a poker face. Catherine doesn't either. Man, she... She telegraphs what she's thinking across the room. I, thank you for sitting in the middle. I enjoy that. <laughs> We're just reflectors of, of the light of Christ. It also talks about good. When, when the, Corey, when the light of Christ shines in you, the result is good, not evil. You live a good life. People can say about you, he's just a good person. She's just... The best person, she's just so good. And are you living a good life to the glory of God? Not only is it good, it's right rather than wrong. The person who walks in the light of Jesus Christ does what's right. No betrayal, no lies. In fact, it says truth, not lies. They tell the truth. Now, I talked last week, somebody enjoyed it that I said, you don't have to tell everything you know. You don't, and you don't have to say, some of you need to hear this, so look up here. You don't have to say everything you think. You're not obligated to say everything you think. Don would like for me to tell his students that. True. Pleasing. What is pleasing to God? Remember the illustration from last week, John Coffey, the glass, the pain. It always hurts. This, these words people are using, the way they're treating each other, it hurts, boss. Every day it hurts. Pleasing, not painful. And I pointed out as I was reading the verses, fruitful, not shameful. Some of us walk in shame. Listen to me, God wants to heal that. He wants to step into your life and make you fruitful. He wants you to have a good, fruitful life and that kind of life. Walking in the light of Jesus gives you a 
fruitful, not just a fragrant life, but a fruitful life, not a shameful life. Well, I told you sermon has been a sermon, but it's also a lifestyle of wisdom. Verses 15 through 17, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. A lifestyle of wisdom, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Listen. Making the most because the days... Life is short. Eat dessert first. <laughs> Who was it said it? Was that Chris? I've said that many times. Life is short. Eat dessert first. No, life is short. That means live it well. Don't waste your life. There may be somebody in the room. I'm excited when an old person finally realizes that they've never been saved and comes to Jesus. Is saved. They're shouting in heaven when that happens. But Cindy, that also means almost always that person who does that looks back over a wasted life and they say, I wish I'd made a decision for Jesus sooner in my life. Listen, life is short. Don't throw it away. Don't walk separated from God. Don't walk a shameful, unfruitful life. Life is short. Live it well. Live it wisely by knowing God's will and doing what God wants you to do. And that will be a fragrant lifestyle in the nostrils of God. That also means a lifestyle of spirituality. We, walk, we live in a secular world. We live in an age when spirituality is frowned upon. And yet there beats Loretta in the heart of every person a need for the knowledge and the presence of God. There's a world out there that's lost and they just don't know what to do about it. And we have the answer. And his name is Jesus. Live a lifestyle of spirituality. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead of wine, drugs, all those things that I talked about, instead of having something else control your life, let the Spirit of God control your life. That's what it means by being filled with the Holy Spirit, that He is in control. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Worship does not just take place on Sunday morning in this place. Worship is to be a lifestyle. Though I, I hear songs that we sing in church on K-Love and, and other stations, and I think, man, Aaron does a better job of that when he's leading us. I've said before, and probably he's never agreed, but Aaron is a fantastic worship leader.
You know why? Because he doesn't put on a performance. He lifts our heart to heaven. He glorifies Christ. That's what it's all about. And when you do that, you can take that with you throughout the week so that you do the same thing to your friends. You're speaking to them with good language, with encouraging language. And there's music in your heart to the glory of God. And give thanks. We've already talked about that. And everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the language of the Spirit-filled person is music to the ears of the people around him or her and is fragrant to God. Is your language to your husband or wife pleasing, encouraging, a blessing? Being filled with the Spirit means encouraging, speaking in good language to everybody around us. And God is blessed in that. And then finally, that's the word that the teenagers are always listening for. And finally, the lifestyle of submission. It's okay to laugh. The lifestyle of submission, it's almost like this verse is just thrown in as a postscript to all of this. And there is in a sense that it is. Jackie, it's an introduction to the whole next session. This is the introduction to my sermon next week because the rest of this chapter is going to be about submitting to one another. But don't lose sight of this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission is the opposite of pride. Submit. It means, you know, we all want to be in control. We all want our own way. By the way, when I say things like that, Lauren, nobody says amen. <laughs> that mean it's not true. It's just that we don't want to admit it. We want our own way. We want to enjoy our freedom. We don't want to submit to anyone, but we're, we're commanded to submit to each other, all of us. That, by the way, is what makes a great church. A church cannot be great. A church cannot be a loving church. And a church cannot be a serving church as long as we all insist that we have it our way. We all have to submit to God and to one another. And again, the rest of the chapter is about that. That doesn't come naturally, but it is the answer to living a lifestyle that is fragrant to God, is to, to submit to one another. I have a question for you. What's missing in your life? What's missing in your life? Some of you might say wealth. Somebody might say health. Someone might say a partner. Someone, there's all kinds of answers, but there's one right answer. I hate to 
come off as spiritual, you know, like the, the kid in the Sunday school class and the teacher asking what it was. And Melody said, well, sounds like a squirrel, but I know the right answer has to be Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. What's missing in your life? You need the Lord. You need Him to be in control of your life to the point that you're living a life that is pleasing to God, a fragrance to God. What is it in your life that's not fragrant? I said, what's missing? On the other hand, what do you need to get rid of in your life? What change do you need to make? And friend, whether church member or not, what is God's will for you? What is it he wants you to do? Ask him. But don't bother asking if you're not willing to do it. What is God's will for you? Find it and do it. Let's stand together and bow our heads. In, in this moment of silence with every head bowed and every eye closed, as you ask God what he wants from you and you ask yourself what needs to change in my life, when you ask yourself what's missing in my life, if it is Jesus, you need to come to him now.